Hello everyone and welcome to Nisa Day FC. I'm Josh Taylor. And guys, the wait is finally over. Nisa opening day is finally here. And for today's episode, I'm going to recap all the action that happened this past weekend in the Nisa League. We'll also talk about the latest news around Nisa and Nisa Nation. And I'll also talk about player signings from a couple of Nisa clubs. And then towards the end of the show, I'm going to share my final thoughts on the commissioner, John Pruch, and his interviews he did with the 19 Nisa podcast with Dan Vaughn. And of course, at halftime yesterday during the Flower City Union broadcast. So stay tuned. We got a great show. Let's go. Well, everybody, what a week it was in the Nisa League as we completed match day one for the 2022 season. And we had four great games, guys. Let's start down in Chattanooga, Tennessee, as Chattanooga FC hosted the Maryland Wildcats FC at Finley Stadium. And this match ended 1-1, all square, in a draw. Close game in the first half, and the second half, it's where it really took off, guys. Ian Ciro, he got a, a penalty kick in the 49th minute, and his first shot was saved, but he got the rebound to score the first goal of the season for Chattanooga FC in 2022. And you thought Chattanooga FC having that possession-based uh, style of play that they were going to be able to hang on. But in the 82nd minute, they gave up a free kick opportunity to Maryland Bobcats FC. And look, you got to give credit. The Bobcats kept fighting, getting back into this game. And wow, Darren Espinal scored an absolute banger with that free kick goal to tie the game 1-1 in the 82nd minute. And wow, it, it was just, a, what a great goal. I mean, I know it's too early for goal of the year. We're only in week one in the season, but it's, it's definitely got to be right up there, guys. Chattanooga FC, you know, they had chances. They they had chances, especially uh, Brett Jones. He had uh, solid chances throughout this game. He was not able to capitalize on those opportunities. And you could tell from watching Chattanooga FC, the players are still kind of adapting to Coach Rod Underwood's style of play with that tactical style of possession-based football. But – I feel very confident that Chattanooga FC is going to improve, guys. This team finished in seventh place in the fall season last year. And just from what I've seen, yeah, it's going to probably take a while to gel with that system that they're learning. But this team is going to improve, guys. And I feel pretty confident that Chattanooga FC is going to be one of the three teams out of the East Division that's going to make the playoffs. Maryland Bobcats FC, hey, you know, they got their point on the road. And we'll see how they do because they'll be at home. For this weekend's game and coach Rostello, you know, the players they got, it's going to probably take them time to, to, to gel a bit as well, but Maryland Bobcats FC, I think they're going to be another team that's going to improve. So keep an eye on the Bobcats. Now, what also impressed me was Chattanooga FC. This is a midday game, two o'clock Eastern time, right? And they got 2,315 fans in attendance. Wow. Got to give it up to the Chattahooligans and that supporters group. Getting out there, as you can tell, watching the game, it was pretty windy, like crazy. But uh, he, the fans out there came out and support the Chattanooga FC players, and that's just great to see. And it looks like Chattanooga FC might get their mojo back. Now let's head over to Western New York, where we had the debut of the two New York teams, Flower City Union 
taking on AC Syracuse Pulse. Now, I know going into this game, a lot of people didn't know what to expect from AC Syracuse Pulse. They literally just announced the roster like, what, 72 hours before the game? <laughs> you know, so it was crazy. And, of course, a week ago, they confirmed that their coach, Peter Fuller, was going to be the man in charge for this team. So it's been very crazy for AC Syracuse Pulse and for Flower State Union being at home, you know, got a decent crowd out there at the Rochester Community Sports Complex. So I really thought Flower State Union was going to feed off of that. In the first half, you know, both teams looked like they were, you know, at it, getting out there, and, you know, it was all even. But in the second half, it was, like, crazy. Like, AC Syracuse Pulse took it right at the Flower State Union defenders, and Caleb Jackson, he scored the first goal for AC Syracuse Pulse history. And then shortly after he scored the goal, AC Syracuse Pulse went down to 10 men. That was Keo De Silva. He got sent off for a foul on Giancarlo Canas Jorquin in the 58 minute. So the Pulse had to play with 10 men. And they held up pretty well throughout that second half. You know, Flower City Union had some chances. They had a really good chance in the 82nd minute with Lucas Fernandez's free kick, but it went straight towards the goalkeeper, Macklin Robinson. And, you know, this was the first match for both teams. Like I said, didn't know what to expect, but it was a very entertaining game. And you got to give AC Syracuse Pulse goalkeeper, Macklin Robinson, credit. He made six saves in this game and helped his team earn their first clean sheet. So not bad. You get three points. You're basically leading the NISA table right now. And you get a, a shutout. Not a bad way to start for AC Syracuse Pulse. For Flower City Union, you can tell with, you know, with the team being mostly at Rochester-based players, that's going to take them some, you know, time to to gel and, 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 and figure some things out as a new team. But you know, I think Flower City Union, from what they showed on their home opener, was, was pretty good. I just think they played pretty well defensively in that match and just had that one moment where AC Syracuse took advantage of that header from Caleb Jackson. But, hey, it uh, worked out perfectly to their advantage. So we'll see how it plays out as both teams, Flower City Union, will go on the road this week. AC Syracuse will have a home game later this week. Now, after I got off of work, I was able to get back and catch the West Coast games. And Cal United Strikers FC and Val United FC ended in a nil-nil draw. Now, this was very surprising. I know I did a poll before the game started this weekend. And I know a lot of people were thinking, oh, Cal United and going to crush Val United FC. But they had other ideas. And... Val United, you know, it was a very physical game in this match. Both teams didn't have a lot of chances. But Val United FC, they showed that they can go toe-to-toe with a quality side like the Cal United Strikers. And Gustavo Villalobos had the best chance towards the second half, but his shot went, you know, wide over the, the crossbar there. And Val United FC, you got to talk about their goalkeeper, Javier Olmedo. He rolled his ankle like towards the end of the first half, but yet he decides to 
stay in the game and had some big saves towards the second half to keep his team in it. So, hey, for Val United FC, when a lot of people probably weren't expecting much or thought they were going to get crushed, they didn't. that didn't happen, guys. They held on and managed to get a point out of this game. And, hey, that's not bad. Their supporters should be very excited to get a point against a quality side like Cal United Strikers on the road. And now Val United FC, they're going to be home this week against uh, Albion San Diego. So that's going to be pretty exciting. Cal United Strikers still have another home game against Bay Cities FC. Speaking of Bay Cities FC, they were playing the LA Force last night. And again, another nil-nil draw in this game. Now, Bay Cities FC, I will admit, I, I was very impressed with this team. Looking at how they were able to go neck and neck with LA Force. You know, LA Force would get chances. They're going back on the other end getting chances. You know, it's a very physical game. You know, five yellow cards, both teams getting at it. And, you know, Bay Cities FC, I, I, I kind of like their jerseys there. I know people are getting tired of the black and white jerseys with the teams out on the West Coast, but hey, you know, I think the Bay Cities FC jerseys aren't bad. They look, they look pretty good. LA Force, of course, they got the white jerseys and they've got the big Los Angeles Force font on the front of their jerseys. So it was pretty, pretty uh, even match, I would say. And, you know, Bay Cities FC, they managed to frustrate the LA Force. They didn't get any goals. And, you know, I know some people probably were thinking, oh, LA Force, you know, they're used to getting draws. This is nothing new. <laughs> but when we all came into the opening week thinking, oh, probably Cal United, LA Force, we're going to be probably the top teams after week one. It's not. It is AC Syracuse Pulse. So, yeah, the, the new expansion teams have sh shown that they're competitive and that they're not going to be an easy now. And, you know, now that we know Detroit CFC is playing in USL now, hey, for Nisa, it could be wide open. So we don't know, guys, after week one. Anybody can can make a surprise run at this point. So that makes it very exciting, very exciting. But we got plenty of games to go, and it's going to be a long season. But looking forward to see what's next coming up for week two. Now let's get on to the news. All right, so let's get into the news around NISA. And since our last episode, there were rumors going around on social media about Chicago House AC's future. And, well, those rumors aren't a thing anymore because back on March 16th, Chicago House AC announced that they were going to be joining the Midwest Premier League for the 2022 season. Now, in case you're not aware, the Midwest Premier League is a uh, affiliated league with NISA. And uh, Chicago House, they will be playing in the West Conference. And that, that league technically a semi-pro league, and they run usually from May until August. That's usually their season, so it'll be just basically for the summer. And I got a quote here. Let's see. Let's put the presser here from when it was announced from Peter Wilt, and he said, quote, We are pleased to join a growing league committed to sustainability. House managing partner Peter Wilt said, uh, While we will work to return to a professional league in the near future, we believe the Midwest Premier League can be a long-term home for Chicago House development team. This, along with a new youth academy, will allow us to continue building the foundation for our professional club. 
And then the uh, Midwest Premier League president, John Hall, said, quote, we're excited to add Chicago House AC to the Midwest Premier League. House has worked hard since its launch to connect with the community and serve others through the game of soccer. We're excited to add another club that understands our league's mission and build some more great local rivalries in the Chicagoland area. Now, my takeaways from this presser was, you know, look, you all know I used to work for Chicago House and after everything that club's been through this offseason, I'm very happy to see that at least they're going to play this year. Because we all got to let go. We all thought the team's not playing. You know, we, we, we had no idea what the future was going to be for this team. So the fact that they're going to actually play some soccer this year is pretty exciting. And if you're a house fan, uh, the knuckleheads, I know that's their supporters group, they got to be excited because they're going to get to see their team play. Even though it's semi-pro, that's better than not playing at all. I think that's a really good thing. It gives the club an opportunity to hit the reset button and kind of get a fresh start, you know, and – I don't know what's going to happen with the team's ownership situation with Lawrence Gerard and that whole hot mess and what's going to happen with that if they're going to move on and try to get local ownership. I'm not sure what's the long-term plan on that regard. But the fact that they're going to play is a good thing. I think that they're thinking about making a Chicago House B team and having them play in the Midwest Premier League down the road once they determine their next steps in the professional level is uh, going to be a, a commitment as well. Now, I know some people on social media were speculating, like, oh, Peter Wilt didn't specify he was going to go back to NISA, so they are probably talking USL or this league or that league or whatever. I think people are kind of reading too much into that. I Look, Chicago House has to do its due diligence and kind of evaluate its options at this point after everything that happened and how the club had, you know, financial issues down the stretch. So I think, you know, Peter Wilt, you know, is, is probably doing that, and I'm sure – they're talking to, you know, plans about their their future moving forward. But right now, this is gives them a fresh start. You know, they're going to play. They're going to have to find a, a stadium, which they said they will announce in the next month, as well as uh, their schedule for the Midwest Premier League, uh, their coaching staff, an academy director, which I thought was pretty interesting. And, of course, they're going to have player tryouts before the season starts. So I thought – Overall, you know, it's it's a good thing to see Chicago House play some games. <clears throat> but for me, it's going to give me a chance to go to some house games. I will admit it would probably be weird going there as a spectator. <laughs> but uh, it will be cool just to kind of, you know, check out a game in person and, and, and just see maybe some familiar faces. I mean, of course, I know Peter, but, you know, some of the players. Maybe there might be some players from that played in the fall that will be on that team. And looking forward to seeing the house play some soccer this year. Now, the Night Sinisa did an interview with uh, the commissioner, John Pruch. It was posted a couple of days ago. I'll share my thoughts on what the commissioner, John Pruch, had to say later on. But he did talk briefly, very briefly, about the situation between uh, New Amsterdam FC and Chicago House. And just a, my takeaway from that was he talked about that it was a challenging fall for both clubs financially. He mentioned there was a violation of operations agreement, and then he said after everything that happened that we saw this offseason, the board uh, felt it was best that for both clubs to sit out for the 2022 season. Um, the league did provide them, the commissioner did confirm that the league has provided both clubs an opportunity or a pathway, as you would say, 
to come back to the league um, should they choose to accept it. And that both clubs are still members of NISA, though he did also deem that they're not in good standing at the moment. I'm not sure if that's related to the league dues. But they will be given a certain amount of time to uh, rectify their situations or decide to come back. So it's good to know that, you know, Chicago House at least has a pathway forward to return to NISA at some point. But as I mentioned, this is an opportunity for House to hit the reset button, get things going, and try to make the best out of their situation with the Midwest Premier League. And not to try to rush to just to go back to pro, you know, take your time. If you have to be in the Midwest Premier League for a year or two to get things sorted out, get things all stable again, okay. But I'm pretty sure we will see Chicago House AC play professional soccer at some point in the near future. Now, the Midwest Premier League also announced that Springfield FC will also be joining the league. They will be going into the South Conference. So, Nisa Nation, they made some announcements. They announced that they had named Kenneth Henriquez as the referee coordinator. He will work with each region to identify a strong network of uh, local assigners and referees who share the same vision of providing the highest level of officiating matches possible while utilizing Nisa Nation's platforms for referee development, uh, disciplinary reviews, and game assignments. Nisa Nation also announced its schedule for the Northeast region and the Florida region. So some highlights I got from those is that the Northeast region, they increased from six to eight teams with five new clubs, uh, most notably Steel Pulse and the New Jersey Teamsters will be sitting out. They will not be returning, uh, and the season will start in early April. So the teams that you got in the Northeast region is Alilicos, FC USA Rush, Albion, SC Delaware, Allentown United, Atlantic City FC, Boston Athletic SC, New Jersey Alliance FC, the defending champions, New York Braveheart SC, and Union SC. So Nisa Nation, they announced the Florida region. They'll have five clubs based in Central Florida in the Orlando area. Of course, I used to live in Orlando before I moved here to Chicago. So a couple of teams I know pretty well. They'll play a triple round robin from March until the end of June. The clubs that will be playing this league, Atletico Orlando, Deportivo Lake Mary, who I know pretty well. Inter United, they're based in Davenport, which I used to live in Davenport, Florida. Orlando Lions and Winter Haven FC, who I know about as well because they played in the UPSL. Now, that is all the latest news from NISA and NISA Nation. Now let's get into player signings. All right, so since most of the NISA teams already announced their rosters for the 2022 season, I'm going to talk about two teams that haven't played yet. Albion San Diego and Michigan Stars FC in their latest signings. Now, Albion San Diego, they announced that Lennon Guardian is going to be on the team. They also announced that Eddie Benito, he's a former 1904 FC player, will be joining the team. And he was also on the Nisa Fall 2021 All-League second team. Kadim Say, he's going to be another player, former 1904 
player joining the team. He's a defender. And they also announced Ryan Buckingham. He's a goalkeeper who's played in Sweden and Denmark. Uh, what I saw last night while I was on social media, uh, to Dan Vaughn's tweet. Of course, he's the host of the Night City podcast. He posted on Twitter that the club is also planning to sign Mayel Malongo. He's the former New Amsterdam FC player. And uh, look, if they get him, wow, that's going to be a very good team for ASC San Diego. And like I mentioned earlier, these new teams, even though ASC is not technically new, they're they're taking over 1904 FC. But, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it, it goes with them. And look, they got some talented, you know, mixture of their – Youth team players that play with 1904 FC, and you bring in a player like Mael Malongo, who's going to score some goals for you. He's going to be a, a pretty good addition for Albion San Diego, that's for sure. Now, the Michigan Stars FC, they announced their player signings so far. Now, all these players are going to be new players. They haven't announced any of the returning players from that played on the team this past fall season. So, Grant Michaels... He played for West Virginia United. They also announced Olarimi Martin-Williams. He's another former New Amsterdam FC player. Harry Nevins, James Stones, Vasilis Zogos. hope I pronounced that right. Nemanja Rozik, they announced him. Ikov Shmulov. Uh, They also announced Noah Kavanaugh. He played for LA Force. Elias McLeod, Jonathan Firmino, he played for SC Monero Aljustrenense. And they also announced Anthony Bowie. Of course, Anthony played for Chicago House AC as a defender, and he's a very versatile player because when we had him on our team, he technically started off the midfield, then he moved into defender, and he played left back. So he's been like all over the place. And I think that was a, definitely a good pickup for uh, Michigan Stars FC. Now, for those of you who are keeping track with former Chicago House players, this is what I have so far. If you, if I'm wrong, you please DM me on Twitter. So I have, of course, Ian Cyril playing for Chattanooga FC. I have Drew Connor, who was the captain of our team. He's playing for Ford Madison. Nazim Bartman, he's also playing for Ford Madison now. Michael Kofari, he's now playing for AC Syracuse Pulse. Of course, we mentioned Anthony Bowie playing for Michigan Stars. Rodolfo Suya, he's playing for Puerto Rico Soul FC down in Puerto Rico. Mateo Kidd, he's playing for Chicago Fire FC 2 in MLS Next Pro. And, of course, I have the next two guys are playing indoor soccer. So Derek Hoffman, he's playing for the Milwaukee Wave in the MASL. And then Stefan Michitovic, he's playing for the St. Louis Ambush, also in the MASL. So, yeah, AC Syracuse, they announced their roster, like I mentioned, days before the season started. And they got 12 former NISA players on the team, as well as four former Chattanooga players that are going back to play for Peter Fuller, who, as I mentioned, coached Chattanooga FC prior to coaching now AC Syracuse Pulse. AC Syracuse Pulse, they got some really talented squad. You know, you got Alex Sederstegi, played for Michigan Stars. You got Molly Carpa, who was one of the top goal scorers for Maryland Bobcats FC when he played with them this past fall. You got 
Michael Kafari, as I mentioned, former Chicago House player at the midfield, and you got Sean Russell Jr., former Chattanooga FC player, now holding defensive line for the team. He was also the captain for this team's game this past weekend against Flower City Union. And you also got Kyle Noel, who's up there as well. And speaking of Michael Kafari, he also got an assist for that goal for the AC Syracuse Pulse as Caleb Jackson got the goal there. And I also forgot to mention that Minjay Kwok, who I felt really had a really good performance in that game against the Flowers Union. Union. I'm not sure why Cal United strikers decided not to bring him back, but hey, it turned out to be AC Syracuse's Pulse's gain, and he had a really good performance there. So I think AC Syracuse Pulse, I think a lot of us going into that game didn't know what to expect, but probably thinking probably thinking they're going to finish the last place. But with this roster they got, hey, maybe they will definitely compete for the top three playoff spots in the Eastern Division. So I'm pretty sure the Pulse are going to give Chattanooga FC and the Maryland Bobcats, because those are the other two teams that felt very strong that are going to qualify for the playoffs out of that division, a run for their money. All right, everyone, just need to make a quick correction real quick. I initially said that it was Dan Vaughn that posted on Twitter about the news about Mayel Malongo joining Albion San Diego, but it was actually Dan Creel, not Dan Vaughn. <clears throat> I don't know why I always seem to get them mixed up, but it was Dan Creel. So gotta, you know, give credit to on the sources, stuff like that. So that was from Dan Creel's post. He posted that Mayel Malongo is going to be joining Albion San Diego, but still, Good, good for them, and I'm sure, according to Dan Creel's post, Dan Vaughn's be very happy about that. Now, let's talk about the Nisa Nation this past weekend. They also had some matches. Now, I mentioned earlier in the show that the Florida region just opened up its season, and the only matchup from that region was Deportivo Lake Mary taking on Atletico Orlando, and Atletico Orlando won that match. 2-0. The other matchup in the Southwest region was FC Golden State taking on Sporting ID 11, and that match finished 2-2 with FC Golden State Matthews de Abreu Bergami scoring two goals in that matchup. And of course, later today, Las Vegas Legends will be taking on Oaks FC. Now, Las Vegas Legends, they're currently leading the Southwest region six points after two matches. So they're looking pretty good. But it was also a good week for the Las Vegas Legends because they made their debut in the U.S. Open Cup on Wednesday. And they held on. They had 3-0 lead, but it looked like they almost blew it. But they managed to hang on and beat Park City Rebels out of Utah 3-2. And Las Vegas Legends will move on to the second round of the U.S. Open Cup where they take on New Mexico United. So very good week for Las Vegas Legends. And speaking of the Open Cup, you know, I did catch some other games uh, this past Tuesday and Wednesday in the Open Cup. Westchester United at FC Motown. That game was crazy going back and forth. And Westchester United, they technically won that game 3-2. However, the day after that match, FC Motown filed a protest because apparently Westchester United used an illegal substitution. One of their players, I guess, being invalid for concussion protocol, and the referees decided to let him go back in the game, when technically he was not supposed to be allowed back in the game. 
So because of that, asking Botan filed the protest, and I just saw on Twitter, according to my friend uh, Josh Hakla for thecup.us, that game will now have to be replayed. So forget the 3-2 win for Westchester United. They have to play the whole game again on April 1st at Mount Clair State University. Wow, that's just crazy. And unfortunately for AC Syracuse Pulse, because they were supposed to play Westchester United, they're going to have to wait a little longer to see who they're going to play for the first-round matchup in the Open Cup, which will be next week when all the NISA teams make their debut in the second round. Now, then Diablos, they got cup set by amateur side Defeaters Kicks Soccer Club 3-2. Now, Denton Diablos, they were the MPSL champions, defending MPSL champions, and they had knocked out in the first round of the U.S. Open Cup. And then here's another crazy story about the Open Cup. SC United Bantam, so South Carolina United Bantams, okay, they lost 3-1 to to North Carolina Fusion under-23s. But here's the catch. So apparently before this game, South Carolina United Bams only had 10 eligible players. Even though they had 18 on the roster, only 10 were eligible because they only reported to the USL League 2 and not the US Open Cup, their actual roster and finalized and everything. So US Open Cup match commissioner basically told them, you either have to forfeit the match or you play with 10 players. So SC United Bantams decided to forfeit the match 1-0, but play an expedition game. And my thing was they didn't even tell the fans there. So all the fans are sitting there watching this game thinking that, you know, it's going to be a friendly and or, or, or actual cup competition. And instead it was a expedition match and they even played extra time like if you're playing friendly you're not doing extra time and shootouts and all that stuff you're just playing 90 minutes so i don't know what the deal was i've been following soccer for a long time i thought i've seen it all but nothing like this so we actually had a friendly in a cup competition who would have thought of that as of right now most of these teams know their opponents for the u.s home cup next week Flower City Union, they will host Western Mass Pioneers, and the Cal United Strikers will host San Fernando Valley FC. Now, let's talk about my Week 2 matchups for NISA, and it's going to start on Friday this week. Valley United FC will be at home at Bell Bank Park in Mesa, Arizona. Albion San Diego is actually making their debut, even though they're taking over an existing a former club, 1904 FC. But both of those teams will be going out on a Friday night. And, you know, ASC San Diego, I'm not sure what to expect from them. But, I, you know, Valley United, they, they showed me something. This team really showed me something with their performance against the uh, uh, Cal United. I almost said LA Force. Cal United. And uh, I think Valley United, they're just going to be fired up and they're going to get a, a W at home in front of their fans. So I think Valley United is going to end up beating out Albion San Diego 2-1. Saturday, we got two matches. We got Maryland Bobcats FC hosting Flower City Union. I think the Maryland Bobcats are going to draw on the road. They're going to it's going to be a home opener for them. And, you know, I think Maryland Bobcats FC are going to get a 2-0 shutout 
at home against Flower Street Union. The later match will be Cal United FC taking on Bay Cities FC. Now, Bay Cities FC, they did really well in their matchup, frustrating the LA Force. I would expect something very similar against Cal United Strikers. And I think it's going to be a close game between these two. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw in that matchup. And then Sunday, Sunday we have a game. AC Syracuse Pulse hosting Chattanooga FC. Now, AC Syracuse will be at home in front of their fans. And this is going to be exciting. You're going to have Peter Fuller, former Chattanooga FC coach, going against his former team. And I think it's going to be a back-and-forth affair. But I think this game is going to be ending up in a draw. And I'm going to go with, you know, 3-3. Why not? Make it a very entertaining game for that. So I got uh, two teams getting wins and the other two matches getting draws. But that is going to be my predictions for week two in the Nisa League. <laughs> All right, everyone, for my final thoughts, as I alluded to earlier in the show, I'm going to talk about the commissioner of NISA, John Pruch, and just share some of my thoughts on the interviews he did with Dan Vaughn, the Night City NISA podcast, and also the interview he did at halftime during the Flower City Union broadcast against AC Syracuse Pulse. Now, for the Night City NISA podcast with Dan Vaughn, very informative. I thought that the commissioner, John Perch, was, you know, very transparent. He didn't dodge any questions. He, you know, just basically spoke about any questions that Dan had. And that was really great. He talked about the health of the league that he felt was pretty good. And after a couple of years dealing with the pandemic and everything, it's going to, this is going to be like pretty much the closest to normal we're going to get. Back since, you know, when NISA first started back in 2019, 2020, when it was the first year of NISA. And you're going to have fans in, in at the stadiums. And you're going to have the clubs have like a, you know, normal atmosphere. So I think that's going to be pretty good for the league as a whole as they try to move forward and build for the future for this league. Now, Commissioner John Perch also talked about Stumptown AC status and says that the club, even though they're on hiatus this year, they will return with new ownership and new branding. Of course, back in the offseason, back in December, I remember that the 1980 CDs talked about that FC Carolinas was the rumored potential investor taking over the club. Of course, the league hasn't announced anything official, but it's good to see that, you know, Stumptown AC, whatever it be, Moving forward, it's going to be back, and you're going to have soccer back in, in, in North Carolina. So I think that's pretty good. And it's going to be interesting, you know, because Charlotte's very competitive right now. you got the success of Charlotte FC right now in MLS. They just won uh, yesterday, being uh, FC Cincinnati. And, you know, Charlotte FC, you know, they're starting to move up the, in the Eastern Conference in the MLS. And you got, of course, Charlotte Independence. They're now in USL League One now. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see whatever this team's going to be, not, not Stumptown anymore, position itself in the Charlotte market. 
Now, the commissioner also talked about the New York Cosmos. He talked that the Cosmos may return uh, to play possibly next year. Uh, I haven't heard anything from the Cosmos. I don't know about Robert Camiso, what he's doing. I know some fans have talked to him about, look, if he's lost the passion to, to sell the team, but we just haven't heard anything about that. And I don't know about the New York Cosmos and, and, and their situation. Don't be wrong. I would love to see them back. Their time in Easter was very brief, <laughs> only half a season. But I would definitely love to, to see them back at some point. Now, LA Force, he talked about their situation of trying to find a permanent home. Of course, this is related to the pandemic and COVID and how LA Force has been moving around different places every year. Like I said, they played in Santa Ana. They played at Jesse Owens Stadium. They've played at Vanguard University. And then they played at Gary High School this past their past game is yesterday over in uh, Pomona, California. So they've been all over the place. But their owner, Bob Freeland, he's still focused on being in LA County and hopefully once everything gets all sorted out in the region of Southern California, they'll be able to find a permanent home where they can get their fan base and get all that going and marketing and ticket sales and all that stuff because you got to have a home and be where your fans are to get people to come out and watch your games. Now, Dan Vaughn did ask him about Atlanta because Atlanta has been rumored to be joining the, the league and expansion team at some point. And the commissioner said that there's been a bit of a delay in the stadium down there in Atlanta but once that gets sorted out, the team, it's possible the team could play as early as 2024. Now, Dan did ask him about if the league was in any way helping AC Syracuse with operations of the club and everything because they literally, this, like I said, announced the roster like a week ago and the coaches and everything. And the commissioner said, no, we're not in any way running. AC Syracuse Pulse, and he talked about that the owner, you know, he was stuck in Morocco for a while due to a travel ban, but once that was lifted, he was able to get back to Syracuse and run things, and that's why they've been a bit behind. But, hey, after what we saw yesterday, them getting the first win, hey, I mean, maybe AC Syracuse, like I said, is going to, you know, put uh, some competition in the Eastern Division in Nisa. So looking forward to seeing what's next for AC Syracuse Pulse. But the other thing the commissioner talked about with Dan Vaughn was the venue development and how the league's been really pushing for that. I think that's a big thing for a lot of these NISA teams to to kind of think of ways to have, you know, fans and come out, and like, whether it's like, you know, community events at the stadium or like what the LA Force did, they had their reserve site, FC Golden State, and then LA Force played on the same day, have a doubleheader. We've seen that, of course, in MLS. And I know, uh, speaking of MLS, you know, I know Chicago Fire and the Chicago Red Stars, which is the NWSL team, they're going to do a doubleheader in a few months. And uh, I think doing stuff like that with your academy or reserve side and having other events there and academy games or youth soccer clinics, things like that, Whatever you can do to get more people to come out to your stadium and support the team and the causes and stuff like that, 
I think that's great. And, and venue development is a, a big part of that. And I'm glad to hear that the commissioner, John Perch, is, you know, encouraging teams to, to make a push for that. Now, one thing he did mention with Dan Vaughn was that the league does have plans to be ready for D2 in a couple of years. That's nothing new uh, with the commissioner, John Perch. I know he's pretty bold on at some point once Nisa gets to however many teams, they'll eventually want to split, have a, you know, a D2 and then, you know, a D3. You have, of course, Nisa Nation, and then you have all the affili affiliated leagues, excuse me, below that. So kind of have a, their own Nisa pyramid and structure and everything. And, I mean, who knows? With the World Cup coming in 2026 in North America, we'll see how Nisa fits itself in because – like I said, Lord of Vision Soccer is always changing. USL, Championship, League One, League Two, they're doing their own thing. MLS, MLS Next Pro is doing their own thing. And it looks like Nisa is going to do their own thing. And we'll just see how it all plans out. Now, for the interview on Saturday that he did with the play-by-play -play guy for Flower City Union, he talked about, you know, when he was, uh, I think it was like 25 years ago, I believe you mentioned on on the interview that he went to uh, one of the Rochester Rhino games and how that kind of inspired him to, you know, bring a team to Rochester. And when he became the commissioner of NISA, he talked about that was his goal to bring a soccer team to Rochester. Now, Rochester, you know, I'm sure for 2022, after not having soccer since 2018, was planning to have two soccer teams. You know, now you got Flower City Union, and now you got Rochester, New York FC. Uh, I, <laughs> anyway, but uh, they also lost too, by the way, to St. Louis City too. But yeah, Rochester's going to have two teams. You have one former kind of left of Rochester Rhinos, but now rebranded to something else. And now, you know, Flower City Union being, you know, community and, folks on Rochester talent and, and everything. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see how that battles out. But I'm sure the fans in Rochester are just excited after not having soccer for so long to have it back. He also talked about uh, some NISA expansion teams. Now, he said in this specific interview, NISA is growing and will add three new clubs for next year. Now, he kind of teased geographically which I was kind of surprised he did that, but he talked about one in the East, one in the West, and he also mentioned another new team could be coming from the Midwest. As of right now, we know the East is going to be Savannah Clovers FC. We know they're the East, and we know the West is going to be Oaks FC. I have no idea who is referring to in the Midwest, what team that could be, but I'm pretty sure within the next, you know, months or so, because, you know, we got a long season, we're going to hear about more expansion teams either joining in 2023 or in 2024. And he also mentioned that in this interview that there will be two teams or two more teams uh, with pending applications. Now, we don't know they're going to be joining in 2023 or 2024. And he also mentioned before he included this interview that there's a possibility that two teams could be coming back to the league next year once they have taken care of their venue businesses and other things. So I thought that was pretty interesting. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure one of those those teams is going to be Stumptown. I'm not sure who the other team he might be referring to there. Even though people I know will speculate whether it be Amsterdam, Chicago House, or you know maybe the Cosmos. <laughs> who knows? But I think that's going to be very interesting that we'll have to keep an eye on down the road. But one thing I'm very happy about is, you know, Nisa is back. It's finally back, guys. And uh, I'm excited to see how the rest of the season pans out. It's going to be a lot of uh, exciting games. We're going to have some drama here and there. We have the playoffs, which we didn't have in the fall. We're going to have that this year. And it's going to be very exciting to see as we get close to the playoff stretch later in the summer and getting into the fall. So I'm happy Nisa's back. I know you guys are happy Nisa's back. And now it's time for me to wrap up the show. And that, guys, will conclude today's show for Nisa Today FC Podcast. If you have any comments, suggestions, or feedback, please direct message me on Twitter at JT underscore Taylor 88. And if you like the show and want to keep up with the latest updates, you can follow us on Facebook at Nisa Today FC. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Nisa underscore Today FC. And on Twitter at Nisa underscore Today FC. Well, I'll let you guys enjoy the rest of the week. And I'll see you next time.